sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Anyone with common sense can see we need a border security wall. We need to secure our border. We need to reform our asylum laws if we're going to address the problem. It makes absolutely no sense to the American people when they watch what happens in this body and they wonder how the people's house leaves them with an unsecure border and nothing more than show votes like we're going to have today for political theater. And now, Stacey Washington. Welcome to the program. Stacey Washington, host of Stacey on the Right here on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. AFR.net and UrbanFamilyTalk.com are the websites you can go to so you can connect up with us and find out everything that we're doing. We want you there. And specifically for today, our daily confession is going to be about India partners. You can go to AFR.net to find out more about this. We also have a fantastic guest on the show today. We're going to be speaking with Governor Mike Huckabee. He's the host of the Mike Huckabee Show on uh, TBN. And He's a fantastic guy. Had me on his show a year before last, and we really had a good time. And he's been having fantastic guests, including his own daughter, uh, press secretary for the Trump administration. She's been on Sarah Huckabee Sanders and so many others. And so we're going to talk to him about the State of the Union speech, which is coming up tomorrow night, where the president is going to lay out his vision for what to do about some really serious systemic problems that are facing our country right now. We're also going to be delving into more about the border. There's so much new information out there, which is interesting because it feels like people are saying there's no problem. People are saying, oh, you know what? There's not an issue, but there is an issue. It's at the border and we have to deal with it. So first off, Daily Confession, um, what do you think goes on with kids in foreign countries and specifically Young Children in Mumbai's Red Light District. Well, AFR has partnered with India Partners, and we give them our support so that they can build safe houses and um, they are expanding existing homes so that children can have their basic needs met and not be sold into slavery and the sex trade. Just a few weeks ago, AFR's John Riley and Wesley Wildman visited the safe houses and discovered there's more opportunity to rescue and care for the most vulnerable children in Mumbai's red light district. So you can join us by providing a day of safety to a child in the red light district of Mumbai for just $7 and eight cents. And you can go to AFR.net and click the help now button. And just as it always is so easy for you, you have one quick page of information to fill in, and then you can submit your gift. Your gift. It's $7.08. That helps one child. So if you think about that, that's, that's one super fancy cup of coffee or uh, two cups of regular Joe. And if you do that just once, one child will experience safety and warmth and care and comfort. So we really encourage you, go to AFR.net and help us with our India Partners um, we're, we're, we're helping and partnering with India partners and we're excited about being able to help them rescue kids and give them the gospel. So thank you so much for doing that. So right now I want to get over to, um, the defense department deploying 3,700 more troops to the border. But before we talk about that new deployment, um, let's listen to it. It's an interesting bit of audio where a representative named Chip Roy actually shames Congress for failing on border security, it's number one. You know what's hard to respond to? It's hard to respond to my constituents at home who are witnessing the theater of the absurd. 
It's hard to respond to Lori Vargas, a mother in San Antonio who lost her son, Jared, last summer to somebody who was here illegally, who was captured, released, captured, released, stopped by law enforcement, and then murdered her son. It is extremely hard to respond to our members of the Border Patrol who go down to the river in the Rio Grande and Laredo and are down there with no cell signal, have no radio, can't see the river through the cane. They're down there by themselves. They know the cartels have operational control of the border. They know their lives are threatened if they speak out about the cartels. They know that there are terrorists who are leading cartel organizations across the border in Nuevo Laredo. And we're doing nothing to give them what they need to defend the United States of America. I can't go home to the people in Texas 21 and explain to them why we're here for two days having show votes and then leave on a Wednesday. Explain that. Explain to the people why we're going to leave this afternoon at 1 o'clock not securing the border. It makes absolutely no sense to the American people when they watch what happens in this body and they wonder how the people's house leaves them with an unsecure border and nothing more than show votes like we're going to have today for political theater. And so if you contrast what you just heard there with what we're hearing on MSNBC and CNN, you're probably thinking to yourself, you know what? Um, It's like we live in two different universes. In one universe, we have the reality of what's going on at the border, human trafficking, uh, drugs coming in, a multi-billion dollar drug cartel operation that just freely inserts drugs into our country, 70,000 deaths a year, opioid overdoses, kids who are on their way to college, kids who are on their way to trade school, the military kids who their parents have cared for them and raised them up, getting basically just stuck in a systemic downward spiral of being addicted to drugs that don't even belong here. It's not like we're growing these drugs in our own country. They're being imported through our open southern border. So the question is, what are we paying these Congress people $178,000 a year for? And that's the minimum they make. Some of them make much more because they're in leadership positions on committees. What are we paying them for? What are they doing? When you think about the injustice of parents just going on about their business and then getting a phone call and finding out that their child has been killed because an illegal alien has run them over or had a crash with them on the road or an illegal alien has shot a police officer who's just going about a regular routine traffic stop. And these things don't have to happen because these people don't have to be here. It's kind of shocking. It's not, it's not kind of shocking. It's really shocking. It's a travesty. And so for everyone who's talking about family separation for people at the border, there are parents, American citizens, taxpayers, God-fearing people who they've been permanently separated from their children, and we don't hear anyone talking about that. There's nobody on CNN or MSNBC talking about the terrors of family separation for moms and dads who are going to sleep every night without their kids. Americans who deserve the protection constitutionally guaranteed to them by our government to maintain our national sovereignty and prevent illegal entry into this country. So it's pretty simple. And I think that's what we're going to hear from the president tomorrow night in the State of the Union. He's going to talk about exactly what the problem is. It's his opportunity to speak to the entire country. Everyone will be paying attention and he can lay out his vision for protecting Americans while we provide $800 million in 
humanitarian aid to South American countries. This is a new infusion of cash to add to the other multiple billions of dollars that we have sent to countries in South America to try to stem uh, gang violence and create jobs and, uh, you know, build infrastructure. We're already doing all of that. We're now promising to do even more. Even with our record soaring deficits and the amount of money that we're borrowing every year from uh, Asian countries to keep our country on the on the up and up, we're still going to send eight hundred million dollars to the southern southern part of this continent to make sure that those people are are getting some assistance in their home countries. So the idea that we can't have what is basically a pittance, point one one of one percent. So just around a tenth of a percent of our entire budget is what the president is requesting for border funds. And that number should be trumpeted everywhere. Anyone who says this is, this is a waste of money, it's a medieval solution, just look outside. Do you have a fence? We do. We have fencing along much of our property to make sure that everyone knows where the property line is. And so do all of my neighbors. Everyone has fencing to delineate what this, this is where my property ends. This is where yours begins. And we're not talking about a medieval solution because everyone is still engaged in fencing and walls and that type of stuff today. Interesting. I had an email from a listener who was talking about um, how it is in, in, in Mexico. In Mexico, if you have a home of any, any kind of value, you also have around it, it's like a compound, you have a huge, what we would call cinder block fence, and it's usually 10 or 12 feet tall. And there's lighting for, for at night so that they can make sure that all interior portions of the fence are free from intruders. And this wall, it's not really a fence, it's a wall, is what you see around any home that has anything of value. Because without that wall, they're really prone to theft and robbery. Now, that's Mexico. And it is what we consider to be somewhat of a third world country. I mean, I don't hear a lot of people saying they're dying to move to Mexico. People love to vacation there on resorts that are themselves, you know, fully contained compounds. But here in this country, we also use walls. The owner of Facebook has a huge wall around every one of his properties that he owns. And he buys individual homes around his property to make sure that he can increase the buffer zone between him and everyone else. He's an open borders fanatic for America, but for himself, he likes borders. So this, this is a common sense issue. It's something that we have to continue to focus on and make sure that we support the president on, not because it's President Trump, not because it's right or left. This is not, this is not it's a political issue, but it's not a right-sided or left-sided issue. It's common sense. The same kind of care that we take with locking our own doors at night uh, locking our cars when we leave them in, in the parking lot, locking up anything of value, the same care that we take with anything of value that we have anything to do with that we want to see maintained. We have to have that same kind of care for our country. The reason people want to get in here is because it's great. We have a constitution. We have the rule of law. We have a largely uh, law-abiding populace. Sure, we have crime. And we do have some serious problems in our inner cities and far out rural areas, but so does every country. Every country has areas and pockets where they're, they're, they're not handling things well. But as long as we have the open border to our South, we are much more susceptible to crime, terrorism, and drug trafficking. And what we want, most of all, more than anything, 
is to reduce the number of problems that we have that are that we're able to to handle on our own. In other words, if you if you have a problem that you don't have to have, something that is easily solved by simply building a wall, and we know that's true, all over the the world there are walls going up. In fact, Israel is now constructing a wall to their southern border, uh, or I'm, I'm sorry, their border with Gaza. They're constructing that wall. It's actually what we would consider to be a very tall fence, but it has concertina wire at the top. And they're putting that there to prevent illegal entry. We've helped pay for walls in foreign countries. We've done everything except finish our own wall. So it's, it's not about whether or not it's made of concrete or made of steel slats. It's not about um, the height of it or the depth of it. Those things should be left to the details. The details being who's most most acquainted with this issue? Who is the most well-informed? Well, that would be Customs and Border Patrol. That would be Department of Homeland Security. What are they asking for? What are Border Patrol agents asking for? Once we get to that place where we know exactly what they're asking for, and we do, then different types of barriers for different areas can be put up to make sure that we're putting a funnel to send people to our lawful points of entry. That's also where people can file asylum claims. It, it really is pretty simple. We have so many solutions for this. Uh, so I, w- I also want to point you to our guest for tomorrow. We're actually going to have Corey Lewandowski, former Trump campaign manager. He's going to join the program tomorrow. And um, he's going to talk about his book, Trump's Enemies, how the deep state is undermining the presidency. And he's going to provide us an overview for the uh, State of the Union with President Trump. And you know what's awesome about having Corey Lewandowski on is he knows the president pretty well. Uh, They worked together for quite a while when he was managing the campaign. And I also have an interesting like dinner story with him where I was having dinner at the Trump um, International Hotel in Washington, D.C. And Corey Lewandowski was sitting like four tables away with uh, Grant Bossy, and they were eating. And some also there was a couple of other like Fox News people were there. And we were people watching and eating dinner. And it was kind of fantastic. So it'll be wonderful to uh, chat with him again. He's been on the program before. We'll have him back tomorrow. But right after this, we're going to be chatting with Governor Mike Huckabee. And uh, he's going to give us a State of the Union preview as well. So keep it here. We'll be right back with more on Stacy on the Right. Here's Walker Wildman for Redeem Clean Laundry Products. Not only do you get a great product and you get to obviously clean your clothes, get the stains out and use a multi-surface cleaner to clean your countertops and use the dryer sheets. You're doing all of this and the money's going to support the work of American Family Association. Redeem Clean Laundry Products were developed by AFA supporters Len Ingram and Jim Duncan to assist in funding the mission of the American Family Association. Redeem Clean products work as well as or better than other products on the market. They're environmentally safe, biodegradable, and they're made right here in the United States. The great thing about Redeem Clean is not only is the product great, but it goes to support a great cause, and that is the work of American Family Association. For clean laundry and a cleaner society, it's Redeem Clean. Visit redeemclean.afastore.net.
Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. You remember the movie Home Alone, right? In the scramble and confusion to get to the airport on time, this family leaves something very significant behind. The youngest son. This is not discovered until they're up in the air flying over the ocean. While the rest of the movie is about a boy in danger and the trials he goes through, as well as the trials facing a determined, persistent mother. She's willing to do whatever it takes to reach her son. That was a silly movie, but in a sad way, people all around us are home alone. They're lost, without direction, not connected to their Heavenly Father. The question is, what are we, the body of Christ, willing to go through to reach them, to go back and get them? I'm moved by the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 14, verses 2, 4, and 7. He's going through all kinds of hassles, but he doesn't give up. Why? Because one soul is worth it. Listen to what happens to him when he and his team preach the gospel in the town of Iconium. Verse 2 says, But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers, those preaching the gospel. Verse 4 says, But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. There's a hassle going on here. And now verse 7 says that no matter what, and they continued to preach. The very people they were trying to reach were attacking them. There's a point at which we've got to look beyond the opposition and focus on the fallen condition of people. Well, here's what I want you to remember today. The only way others will hear of a hope and love of God through Christ is through us. Whatever it takes, let's go back and get them. They're home alone. Join Crawford Loritz tomorrow for another Legacy Moment. You can download episodes of Stacy on the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. I don't take anything off the table. I don't like to take things off the table. Uh, it's that alternative. It's national emergency. It's other things. And, you know, there have been plenty national emergencies called. And this really is an invasion of our country by human traffickers. These are people that are horrible people, bringing in women mostly, but bringing in women and children into our country, human trafficking. And uh, we're gonna have a strong border. And the only way you have a strong border is you need a physical barrier, you need a wall. And anybody that says you don't, they're just playing games. Welcome back to the program. Stacy on the right here with you today. And I'm so excited about our next guest. He's someone that I've gotten to meet in person. And we are both huge fans of the press secretary, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who happens to be his daughter. So um, I'm so pleased to have Mike Huckabee. He's the former governor of Arkansas, also Fox Channel, Fox News Channel host. And then he now has a program on TBN. You can find out more about the Huckabee program, which airs on Saturdays at 8 p.m. 7 Central, exclusively at TBN, by going to tbn.org slash Huckabee. Governor Huckabee, thank you for coming on today. Stacy, it's such a pleasure to be with you. And uh, boy, you're right about uh, my affection for the White House press secretary. <laughs> I will tell you that now I'm no longer introduced with all this biographical information. You were gracious in mentioning some of it. Usually I just get up to give a speech and they say, ladies and gentlemen, Sarah's dad, and that's it. So that's <laughs> <laughs> it's fine with me. You know, that's not a bad one. I'll, I'll give it to you. If, if 
parenting gets to go in the direction that yours has, people are doing well. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. Um, yeah, well, so, that's true. So let's talk about, we, we, I want to get into two things with you today. And so I'll save the fun for last, which is the State of the Union, which I've been rooting for for the past couple of weeks. I'm so excited that it's scheduled for tomorrow. But first, I want to tackle a tougher subject, which is what's going on at the southern border. And I really feel like it's not a left-right issue anymore because of the nature of the, um, it, there's danger there. There's actual human trafficking, drug smuggling, and a multi-billion dollar cartel, uh, you know, uh, operation going on. So what, what do you see happening next with the Democrats kind of standing firm on no money for the border? I find it hard for them to justify that. I mean, I get it that they don't like the president. I understand they don't necessarily agree with his vision or his version of how things ought to go down. But that's what governing is all about. You you sit in the room and you hash out the differences, but you come to some conclusion. I would like to think that the Democrats genuinely believe uh, that human trafficking is evil and that exploiting particularly young underage girls in prostitution is a hideous practice that we should do everything possible to stop, and that the uh, spread of uh, opioid drugs and fentanyl is so dangerous and deadly, we already know that it's killing more people than the entire Iraqi and Afghanistan war. Uh, It's destroying families. You would think that they would say, we don't care for President Trump. We don't agree with all of his policies, plans, or prescriptions to fix it, but let's join together Let's stop these two things, both of which have connections to an unregulated border. But they don't seem to care. They honestly seem more interested in defeating Donald Trump politically than they do in defeating these evil, hideous practices that are killing uh, so many Americans. Yeah, the the latest toll is uh, 70,000 for the last reportable year. 70,000 Americans are no longer with us due to opioid overdoses, which... That's that's a southern border problem. Ninety percent of that is coming in through the southern border. Um, I I saw a little bit of audio on Fox News. It's a video of Andy Biggs. He's a Republican. Uh, He's on the House Judiciary Committee and he's he lives in Arizona. And he was talking about, um, you know, that his idea or his feeling on this is that Congress will not come to a deal on border security by the 15th of February and he, he thinks the Democrats are kind of locked into, it's almost like a temper tantrum with a toddler. They're just locked in and they can't get out of it. But he did mention that 10 U.S.C. Section 284 allows the Secretary of Defense, upon request from federal and state law enforcement, to deal with drug trafficking and use federal dollars, and they don't need congressional approval to do so. And this would avoid the president having to declare a national emergency. Which do you think would be the better solution, and and do you think the president is leaning towards one or the other? Well, the better solution would be if Congress would join with him in recognizing this is not a political issue. It's an American issue. It's a safety issue. But if they don't, then the president has an obligation as commander-in-chief of the armed forces and as the chief security official for the United States to do what's necessary to protect America and American lives. I think that the prospect of doing it outside of a national emergency will probably be less controversial. So, quite frankly, whatever he does, the Democrats will resist. Uh, They will accuse him of a power play. Uh, He will likely be sued. Um, And it may be, frankly, a real test of executive authority that will go all the way to the Supreme Court. 
But the sad part is that he even has to uh, employ those mechanisms. The, the thing that a lot of people don't understand, there are dozens of national emergencies declared all the time. It's not like that this is some rare and almost unthinkable thing. Um, but you would think so if you only listen to the fake news of CNN and MSNBC, uh, because they make it appear that if the president were to invoke uh, a national emergency, he's done something that is just beyond the norm. It, it simply isn't. Um, but we're not dealing with people who care about facts and reality, and that's what I find so frustrating. But here's the other side. The president has to come through, fulfill his promise to secure the border, some of which is physical barriers. Call it a wall, call it a fence, doesn't matter what you call it. It's the centerpiece of his campaign. It's the centerpiece of his promise to America. It's perhaps the single most important reason that he's sitting in the White House right now is because he made it such a uh, critical part of his uh, of what he was going to do as president. And I feel that if in any way he does not do it, it will just be devastating to uh, to his future. You know, I think it's it's a it's a morale issue for Americans who really see this as you described it so correctly, Governor. There, this idea that. We have children, and I, I don't care what the children's nationality is. The idea of children um, being sold into sexual slavery and trafficked into our country and the fact that somehow we're culpable for it, I think that's a, something that's being missed in the discussion. A lot of people are not talking about how when it's our country, and as long as the border is allowed to be open, we are all partially responsible for what's happening down there. And we have to resolve it. I think a lot of people see this as a moral imperative that we have to take care of it. Um, and, and I totally agree with you about the president. The impetus here is he can't, he can't fail here. Um, so turning to the state of the union, this, this is completely connected. How do you see him addressing the border and the other issues we're facing right now? He's going to give the state of the union. Everyone's waiting. I'm, I'm like so totally excited about it. I'm going to be with friends. You know, I won't be drinking wine, but I will be tweeting like nobody's business. (laughs) Um, (laughs) What do you think he's going to say tomorrow? (laughs) I think he's going to be typical Trump. I think he's going to be bold. Uh, He's not going to mince words. I think the fact that Nancy Pelosi will be sitting right behind him will be what will be more fun to watch than anything else is to see her body language and to see if she puts her tongue up in her teeth as she typically does when she is (laughs) listening to him speak. Um, I I think it's going to be classic Trump. And I fully expect that he will openly challenge the Democrats. He will bring to their memory how many times they have voted for far more money for a physical wall than he's even asking for. And he will uh, call him out. Um, I, I would be shocked if he does anything less, because that's his style. I mean, we remember during the presidential debate mm. when he looked directly at Hillary and he challenged her on the idea of full-term abortion, tri- last trimester, what we now see being passed in New York and proposed in Virginia. And he told Hillary to her face that that was just morally repugnant and wrong. And I, I remember how... I sat up in my chair and I thought, never has a person in a presidential debate uh, facing the opposition party in the finals of the uh, campaign ever been so bold with a pro-life statement as he was. And 
he's fearless when it comes to such things, and I expect him to be the State of the Union. I loved that moment. I think it was one of the best political moments for um, for our country ever. Just just the brazen boldness, which is why, I'm, honestly, Governor Huckabee, I can't understand why anyone would n- be unclear as to why he's there. I know a lot of people have criticisms of him. I have been very, I'm, I criticize him and I also praise him. I feel I have to have both sides. That's a good relationship. Um, so I'm, I'm very honest about when I, I'd like something and I don't like something. But as far as him actually being the president, especially on the heels of President Obama, it's kind of, it, to me, it's a no brainer. Who would you need? You need a wrecking ball like President Trump to come in and systematically take things apart and do it with the, the mouth of the common man as opposed to someone who maybe is wearing a sweater vest and is very critical but wouldn't get anything done, like our new senator from Utah, Mitt Romney. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I think, Stacey, you pointed it out beautifully, and that is that there are things that the president maybe says or the manner in which he says them, and I'm thinking, well, how would you say it that way? Mm-hmm. But then he got elected, and I didn't. So I try to remind people when they tell me, well, I don't appreciate how blunt or sometimes crude and even vulgar he can be, and I can say, I don't have to agree with it, but I ask myself, um, is he getting done what we sent him there to do? And the answer is yes. yes. Is he doing it, uh, you know, with, with clear surgical cuts? Sometimes it's pretty ragged. But the point is, as, as a person of faith, uh, he has taken on issues that are deeply important to me. And even some of the never-Trumpers, the people who just don't like his personality, don't like his style, I don't know how they miss that their lives and their values are better off because whether he lives them, he respects those of us who who do live them. And that's something we did not have under the last eight years. And I'll guarantee you, because I know Hillary Clinton better than most people, we would not have been, been having those kind of experiences had she been elected. (laughs) <laughs> so well put. So last question, and it's just a fun one. Um, are you enjoying watching these? Uh, every, every week we get a couple new de- Democratic candidates for the presidency. Are you enjoying watching them implode one by one and the crazy comments they've been making? Well, frankly, they're doing more to ensure the reelection of President Trump, because the, the further left they go, the more out of touch they are, even with the mainstream of Democrat voters. I mean, there are some really far-left people in America. I get that. Many of them have been elected to Congress as Democrats or to the Senate. Many of them are running as president. But there's still, across this country, people in the Democratic Party are who typically will call themselves Democrat, and they're not crazy. They really aren't. They understand there's a difference between a boy and a girl, and that you, you don't let a kid grow up wondering which one he is until he's 14, and then he gets to make his choice. Uh, they know better than that. They know better than that you can tax people 90% and that anybody would ever get out of bed and go to work, because why would you? Uh, just let the government take care of me. Why would I work so hard to keep nothing? Uh, there, there's just a growing sense of which the further left these people go, I think the more uh, devoid they are of being able to capture some of their former constituents. And these people may not ever want to consider themselves Republican, but I think they will quietly go into the voting booth and say, I just can't vote for these people. They're on the fringe. Well, you know what, Governor, if that's what it takes by hook or by crook, 
obviously in a, the most biblical fashion, Stacy on the right on Christian radio, I'm looking at Trump 2020 and my prayers are for the president and also my hopes and, and all everything I feel is really riding on him having a second term so that he can finish the work that he's begun so well. Um, so I want to give everybody a, the tbn.org slash Huckabee. Who's on the show this weekend? Do, do you already know who's, who's coming on? Well, we're going to have uh, quite the show. That, let me just mention this past week, this is typical of what we had. We had the former cast of He on. We had Stephen Baldwin in his brand-new movie that I hope people will go see, um, which is about uh, the missionary uh, Graham Staines. We had uh, Congressman Doug Collins. We're working on the show this week, so we, we have a lot of things in, you know, in the hopper for it. We'll be announcing it probably Thursday of this week. We'll have our final uh, rundown. But every weekend on uh, TBN, it's on Saturday, Sunday, 8 and 11 Eastern, 7 and 10 Central. So you got four shots at watching. And you can watch it on demand at Huckabee.tv. Find out where it uh, can be seen on your television. You know, Stacey, I have people that say, well, I don't get TV. And I say, oh, yes, you do. If you have satellite, if you have cable, or if you have Internet, you can get TV in. So I hope people will watch. I think they'll love the show. Lots of fantastic programming. I love watching the program. And I want to point people to your Instagram account, Huckabee on TBN. I follow there. And he has great images. And you just it's you can see how much fun you guys have. Uh, on the program, you often play your instrument, the guitar, and yep. and join the performers there. I recommend it highly to anybody who's looking for great entertainment. Really, a fun variety show, not just politics. It's, it touches on almost every subject. Um, Governor, thank you for your time today. I know you're busy, and really appreciate you coming on today. Stacy, it's always a pleasure. Great to talk to you again, and hope to have you back on the show soon. Hey, you let me know when. Until then, I will be watching and I will definitely hook up on social media and, uh, you know, give you some likes on there because the content's really fantastic. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless. Talk to you soon. We'll be right back with more on Stacy on the Right. in a day when America's families are under attack like never before. Buddy Smith, Senior Vice President of the American Family Association. The war against biblical principles rages on numerous fronts. The internet, Hollywood, Washington, D.C., America's corporate boardrooms, and the list goes on. At American Family Association, we're committed to standing against the enemies of God, the enemies of your family, And we recognize it's an impossible task without God's favor and your partnership. Thank you for being faithful to pray for this ministry, to give financially, and to respond to our calls for activism. What you do on the home front is crucial to what we do on the battlefront. We praise God for your faithfulness. And may He give us many victories in the battles ahead as we work together to restore our nation's biblical foundations. 
This is Just a Minute with Stacey Washington. Christians, where are you? New York State's legislature just passed a bill making all forms of abortion legal up to birth by doctors and non-doctors. The bloodthirsty death worshipers then went on to light up the World Trade Center in pink to celebrate. Meanwhile, Planned Parenthood's annual report shows the abortion giant doing 11,000 more abortions than the prior reporting year and performing fewer women's health care screenings, all while turning a multi-million dollar profit. In the natural, it looks as if taxpayer-funded abortion is here to stay. But what does God's word say? If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. America needs our prayers. Christians, the Bible is talking to you. I'm Stacey Washington. Find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com. Donald Trump's America. President Trump hit on several issues during a Super Bowl Sunday interview on CBS Face the Nation. It included the border wall and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's opposition to it. He says he's not abandoning any option. I don't like to take things off the table. Uh, it's that alternative. It's national emergency. It's other things. He also addressed his decision to pull troops from Syria, but keep troops in Iraq. He denied that the latter keeps open an option to strike Iran. All I want to do is be able to watch. We have an unbelievable and expensive military base built in Iraq. It's perfectly situated for looking at all over different parts of the troubled Middle East. As for the stability of his administration with so many in acting roles, he says. I like acting because I can move so quickly. Mm-hmm. It gives me more flex- flexibility. The president is set to deliver his State of the Union address tomorrow. Grinnell Scott, Fox News. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. I would say, remember 10 years ago, both then Senator Clinton, uh, Senator Obama, both of them said they were for money for border security wall, money for a barrier. And of course, today, the Democrats have taken just extreme positions. I mean, we got we got Congressman Blumenauer, uh, Blumenauer from Oregon saying that I should be abolished. You got Secretary Clinton when she ran for president just a couple years ago saying we need a borderless hemisphere. You got, as the president said, the Speaker of the House saying walls are immoral. And look who's giving the Democrat response to the State of the Union on Tuesday night. Stacey Abrams, who just three weeks ago said she thinks it's okay if non-citizens vote. So when you, when you start with that kind of position, it's tough for the president, tough for Republicans to actually get agreement with the Democrats. So I don't know that, again, we're any different than where we were a few weeks ago. And the president's probably right. He will have to, I think, at some point go with a national emergency to get the border security wall done. Wow. So that was actually uh, Jim Jordan, um, Republican, talking about how we need a wall to secure the border and stop drug trafficking. And what's so interesting about this entire thing is um, this. So we don't we don't have a a problem, actually. It's not like we don't have the money. It's not like we don't have the know the know how the willpower. We we have all the the, the ingredients and. It kind of reminds me of when uh, sometimes someone will have a problem that they're struggling with and they'll mention it to you. And then you say, oh, well, I'll, have you tried, you know, have you tried X, Y, and Z, for example? And the person will like have an epiphany. Oh, wow, you're right. I, I do have, I, I could do that easily. 
it's not that they didn't have what was needed, the raw materials, they just hadn't considered it. Um, and, and I kind of wish that it was that simple for us with the border, but we have Congress in control of the, the Democrats. The Democrats actually are fighting this resolution, not so much because they disagree with it. Clearly their constituents are in favor of some form of border security, but I, I tell you what, I, it's, it's just their intransigence in reaction to their hatred of Donald Trump and their desire to see him booted out of office. So that brings us to the solution that I mentioned when I was just chatting with Governor Huckabee last segment. And wasn't it fantastic to have him on the show? Such a kind person. I tell you what, he's one of the people, again, you meet people sometimes and um, they're, they're just as kind or even more kind in person than they are on television when you've seen them. And he's just like that in person. He's so nice. He, he asked about my kids and my husband. He just, he took time to chat with me and he didn't have to do that because it's his program and, you know, he's getting ready for the show, but he was taking time to, to chat with all the guests and get to know us and shake our hand. And really it was, it was just so nice to meet him and also a pleasure for me to have him on the show for the first time. So bucket list check off. <laughs> so uh, anyway, now I want to get back to uh, this GOP representative, Andy Biggs. He's a Republican. He's from Arizona. And he's talking about the wall getting built without a national emergency. It's number three. Pretty hard, quite frankly, because I think the, the Democrats, my, my colleagues on the other side of the aisle, they've, they're really locked in. They don't want to put up any physical barrier. They're going to rely continually upon the technology. And that's a real problem because the barrier actually provides the deterrent. Um, and, and, and to just focus on the barrier uh, as medieval or wrong or immoral means that we're going to have a real tough time because both sides have kind of locked in. Yeah, Byron yeah. York was on at the top of the hour, Congressman, and he was suggesting that White, the White House is making a big bet here that there are some Democrats in the House that would be willing to vote for some sort of barrier, funding for a barrier. Do you know any? Well, I, we saw uh, over the last two weeks that we moved from, from picking up six Democrat votes to picking up 13 by the end of last week. Uh, maybe if we would have gone a little bit further, we might have picked up some more. I think that there are uh, people there that want a barrier, recognize a barrier, but I don't know if there's enough to get there. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning back, Sandra, back to uh, the president probably is going to have to declare uh, that it's an active drug trafficking corridor pursuant to Title 10 of the U.S. Code. And if so, he's going to have access to billions of dollars to build the wall, some roads and infrastructure, I think. So we're talking about the complete modernization of a portion of our, our border down there that is really, it's kind of a wasteland. And remember, it's desert. Some of it, some of it is rocky. You know, we're, we're talking about little almost cliff type areas. And then some of it is wetlands where it's literally, it's a body of water and then some land on the other side. And so it's very difficult to uh, traverse, but that hasn't stopped the Mexican cartels from literally traversing that area in vehicles, um, catapulting people across it. I, I know this sounds weird and odd and like that can't be true, but it's true. It's absolutely true that if the walls that are there, which some of them are very, very low, some of them aren't even, it's not even what you would consider to be a legitimate wall. It's just a few pieces of wood that are kind of fashioned into a makeshift barrier that you can literally just step over or roll under. All of that needs to be removed, cleared up, lit. We need electrical run down through there uh, and, and obviously smart barrier. 
So for people to call it a medieval solution doesn't make any sense because a medieval solution is a simple barrier that is a wall, which is very effective. It's not medieval at all. But a smart wall means you have drone capability, you have sensors, and the wall goes below ground to prevent tunneling. So there, there's, there's a lot more to this, which is why the request is for $5.7 billion. And remember, that's out of the $26 billion that was originally the price tag that the president had discussed on, um, you know, what, what's needed to just get started. Uh, so I'm, I want to now talk, this is super important, uh, Daniel Horowitz, who's a thought leader in this area, an expert, has a new piece over at conservativereview.com, and it's it's time to designate the Mexican cartels as terrorist organizations. Now, just think and in different terms. He's asking us, as we consider this issue, to kind of put in our minds a different scenario. Let's imagine instead of people who want to come here to work and to take advantage of our very, it, it, we have a robust social welfare system, Imagine it was Islamic terrorists and they were set up down at the border and they were uh, driving trucks and bl- through, through the, the, the border. They were blowing up, um, what do you call it? The, the, the steel slat fence. They were like literally blowing holes in it and driving trucks through it. Imagine that they killed tens of thousands of Mexicans um, and control the flow of hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants every year into our border, and that they were flooding our country with drugs and gangs. These organizations in the hypothetical operate in over 40 countries. They're flush with weapons, money, military-style tactics, control operations inside our country, and are funneling drugs like fentanyl and carfentanil that are essentially chemical weapons, literally the kind of drugs that you take them once and you're addicted. And we're talking about addicted where you go off to a treatment center and you come back and you're back on the drugs. And then you're sent off to another treatment center and you come back after 90 days, six months, and you're back on the drugs again. And after multiple times in the treatment centers, you come back and you get some fentanyl that's laced with something horrible or some heroin that's laced with some fentanyl that is super grade, and then you've overdosed and you're dead. This is the scenario that hundreds of thousands of families are looking at with their family members, and 70,000 of those family members, American citizens, are dying on a yearly basis because these are not regular drugs. This isn't like people who say, oh, just, you know, you can try it once and then you don't have to worry about it. No, it's a one and done type deal with these drugs. What would we do if we had terrorists on our southern border? I mean, we're waging war that has gone on for 28 years in the Middle East because we had terrorists fly planes into buildings in the United States. We've spent billions of dollars and had thousands of American troops die over in the sand pit, and we have no end in sight. So imagine what America's government would do, what our military would do if we had that kind of activity going on in our southern border, terrorists camped out there, sending their people into this country to wage war on us. The question is, if we would do that if they were terrorists, why aren't we doing that with these people. Because all of what I just described to you is what's happening at our border and in our communities. The only exception is these aren't Islamic terrorists. They're Mexican cartels, the Sinaloa cartel, Zetas, Juarez, Jalisco, the Gulf cartel, La Familia Michoacan, and Los Guerreros Unidos. 
all of these organizations need to be designated as foreign terrorist organizations. Many of these groups have already been designated as transnational criminal organizations, but we can't do special operation strikes against them until they're designated as terrorists. And these aren't the kinds of things like as, as bad as we've seen in the movies. We've seen so many representations of what drug cartels are like in the movies, but their true operations are so much more dastardly than anything we've seen in movies. Now, the term transnational criminal organization actually provides no authority to law enforcement or the Department of Defense to eliminate Mexican cartels as the term terrorist would. Think wartime designations. There are things you can do that w- when you're just peacekeeping, and then there's everything you can do when you've designated something a war, a war zone, when you've designated an organization or a country or a, a, some kind of uh, you know, terrorist group. Once you designate them in that fashion, it switches on all kinds of options that we don't currently have available to us because these Mexican cartels are simply transnational criminal organizations. Think money launderers or people who, uh, they, these hacking groups, those can be criminal organizations, but we're not going to go out and destroy those people. We're going to fight them within the bounds of our civilian type laws. According to uh, Jason Jones, who spent 24 years with the Texas Department of Public Safety's Intelligence and Counterterrorism Division, most of the named cartels operate in 50 countries, including Asia, Australia, and Europe. Our military could work not just with the Mexican government, but with close allies around the world to disrupt these operations. Some of the, the threat that we have from the cartels, some of it is actually worse than that of the Islamic Jihad. A quote from him, from uh, Jason Jones, is that we are confronted with a new threat, one more sinister in many ways than Islamic terrorists around the world. They do not kill for political change or ideology. They kill for money and control. If our nation is to meet this 21st century threat, then we must be willing to create a new arena of counterterrorism. The brutality of these cartels is unrivaled anywhere in the world. All of the people coming into the U.S. from Central America are brought into the culture of the Mexican cartels if they don't have any money. So when the Zetas were in strength, they would have kill houses and be killing people in mass numbers in 10 and 20 a night, and then taking their bodies and hanging them up and putting mantras and signs on them to a rival cartel saying, if you come into our area, this is what we're going to do to you. So just to give this some context, especially for people who love to go to Mexico for a vacation, cartel terrorism has gotten so bad that even the popular resorts that wealthy Americans love to go to, like Cancun, are now unsafe for travel. Mexico has over 250,000 dead and 38,000 people missing since 2007. Just from September of 2017 to July 1st of 2018, 132 politicians and candidates were murdered in Mexico leading up to the recent elections. I want to stress that 132 politicians and candidates murdered leading up to the most recent. That's from September of 2017 to July 1st of 2018. Over 250,000 dead Mexicans and 38,000 people missing since 2007. This is just over the border to the South. And then we have people who literally listen to this program, who write in to me and email me and say, you know, there are parts of Texas where it's you, there's no proof that you're in America anymore. There are parts of Texas that are literally 
an extension of Mexico where no one speaks any English, the signs are in Mexican, and it doesn't look anything like any part of the country that you're familiar with. These cartels are instilling fear and terror over their turf. This is as much a part of their modus operandi as drug smuggling. So a terror designation would help because it would just open up opportunities for intel to inform our activities there. We could hit laboratories and poppy fields using DOD capabilities. We could destroy the production sites and the supply would go way down. That is the heart of this thing. If they don't have anything to sell, they don't need to send people in here to sell it. Remember, we're, we're not talking about people who are coming into the country and looking to do construction. Yes, some of the illegal aliens are doing that, but we're talking about the drug cartels. These are paramilitary terror groups. And the cartels are more than just drug cartels. They're global violent organizations. They've evolved in quantum leaps in their capabilities. So I want to I want to make sure we understand what kind of capabilities former Mexican military special forces who have been trained often by our own military use commando tactics, high level weapons. The Zetas, for example, were responsible for the murder of Jamie Zapata, an ICE agent who was forced off the road in Mexico and gunned down by operatives in 2011. Now all of the other cartels have upgraded their weapons and tax, uh, tactics. Breitbart Texas reported this week that El Tori, a known terrorist who led a grenade attack against our consulate in Monterey last decade, is now the head of the cartel del Noreste, faction of the Zetas. So tomorrow night is the State of the Union, and I'm hoping the president is going to lay this out in ways that only he can. And... Uh, I'm just so excited for it. God bless you from the heartland. Thanks for being with us today. AFR.net and StacyOnTheRight.com. 